0: Now, Father, I ask your blessing upon thy people. You said you'd bless those that hear this book, Lord, that hear the prophecy, and those that read. And Father, we seek this now, and we praise you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, as we're continuing our journey through Revelation, we're getting now to the fourth church of Tartus. And as we see, I mean, as, as I've explained in the beginning, and I'll try to recap a little bit, these churches both, as we see, go through these seven churches, Not only is it symbolic of exactly what is happening in the churches even today, or the types of church, of how many different churches we have, so many different, so many people call them, you know, church, or even nowadays, most people, most places do not want the name church. They're anything but a church. They are community or something, but they don't have the word church in there no more. You just don't get the first Baptist church of. Now it's you know the first community center or whatever. They, they they call it anything but a church. But see, as we go through that, as we see that not only are these individual to types of churches and as we see even this day and age, but it's also represents types of the Christian. We see individually our own spiritual growth. As we we see this, we see our spiritual growth, our doldrums. We see as we start in the church of Ephesus. Remember we saw Ephesus that Jesus has the seven stars, and in verse 1 of, of chapter 2, he says he walks. He walks amongst them. He's in the midst in Ephesus. So we see that the Lord is working. And then this church, in verse 2 of Ephesus, we see that they labored. They had patience, and they worked, and they worked, and they worked. They tried, those other apostles. They believed the Word of God. They tested the Word of God. They proved the Word of God, and they labored for God. But we see in time, sometimes we go in our Christian life, as we get hard, sometimes it just, uh, we knuckle down and mm, we plow under. And that's what happened when we get to the next church, when we saw the church of Smyrna. Sometimes life just gets hard. And in Smyrna, when he's telling us in verse eight of chapter two, he says, I know that works. I know. Verse nine, I know that works, the tribulation, the poverty. This was a church that Jesus had nothing bad to say about. He didn't condemn him he didn't rebuke him he didn't he just encouraged them to keep going because sometimes life is so hard the last thing you need is you know because you remember what the bible said about jesus a bruised reed he won't break oh he's not gonna bust you and get you you know we do that in the world kick them while they're down make sure it hurts but not the lord because the lord raises us up so as we see that, we, we see we start working and work. We work for God. We get saved. We love the things of God. We love working for God. We love the Word of God. We start learning doctrine. We start learning about things and that there are things in the Bible to hate. But then sometimes you get saved. Life just gets hard. Sometimes you do get persecuted. Sometimes you do physically get ill. But, you know, when we come through that, when Jesus said be faithful, and tells us he'll give us his crown. But then as we keep going on, we see that the... the Next church, when we come up to after um, after Smyrna, we see Pergamos. And what do we get in Pergamos? After being growing a while, after we're in fellowship in a while, in Pergamos, Jesus said he also still knows that works. But now, in verse thirteen, we see this church. Satan's influence is getting stronger and more powerful. Now we start getting attacked for the Bible. Now, as you start growing in the Lord, life starts getting a little bit harder, a little bit harder, and you got to beware because there's so much. False doctrine coming around. So many things to lead you astray. You know, the word of faith movement or even the charismatic movement. I, I was, I mean, charismatic been around a long time, but I remember back in the 80s and 90s when it was really, it was hard. It was heaven, assemblies of God. I mean, the 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 praises and, and trying for a Christian to try to tell them, why are you talking in tongues for? Why? Don't you know the gifts and the calling of God? And yet you can't teach people these things; they just they, they, they take the, the what they perceive as doctrine and run with it. But when you try to the scriptures and test it, you see most of these gifts, most of what the charismatics are doing are wrong. It's, it's not a doctrinally thing, but either way, as we see as we grow in the Lord, then then we see at the Pergonos what, what happens. We come up to Thyatira in verse eighteen, chapter two, and the Lord said he still knows his word. He has eyes like fire. God sees us, but you know what happens? Now sometimes a lot of Christians, this is where this is to me almost like the parable of the, the sower when he sowed a sow. And when he says in verse 20 that they start in, infiltrating with the Nicolai or with a Jezebel, and they start taking false doctrine, and they start taking every wind of doctrine that comes their way. And they don't try them. And next thing you know, what happens? The Lord has to judge this first, and we as we saw in dire he will kill children. He will send judgment. He will remove the candlestick. He will wipe you right out of the church. And I've seen it happen. I literally have seen people. Because sometimes you wonder, people say, well, I can go to church any time. How come they're not here? How come they're not here? You know, John, remember he says that they went out from us. They left us. We didn't kick them out. Right? They left us. Why? Because when times get going, they get some false doctrine. They get a little leave when, And when joy, when persecution, when trials come, shh, they wither away. They're gone. And see, that's what we see as we go through these, this analogy of these churches. And now we're going to look at Sardis, which is the most deadest church of them all. And that's what I want to show us here. We have to guard our Christian life because we will end up just like Sardis. And, and, it, and all of us have been saved in any amount of time. We know many people that they did run well. How come they didn't finish? Where are they? What happened to them? Why are they not here amongst our midst? Because we're going to go through the book of Sardis, and excuse me, I didn't forgot my little toy. As we're going to go through this book, we're going to start seeing. But the Lord, He starts out in in, in Revelation chapter three, unto the angel of the church of Sardis, right. And again, these things are right. God wants us to know these things. These things save he that hath the seven spirits of God. And as I started reading and started looking at these churches, we're going to start running down. We're going to see the concerns of Jesus for His church, and this is the first thing He is always concerned about. I know that works, and we see this statement over and over again. And every single time, He says He knows our works. Why? Because He has those seven spirits. The seven spirits government. Turn back to Revelation one. Remember when when He started um, seeing us? He gives us the the explanation, in um. Revelation, verse one nineteen. Write these things, save what thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which are to be hereafter. Remember, we saw this is for all eternity, before, beginning, and after. But verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which I saw in my right hand. Remember that right hand? You know that right hand's got a hole in it? You know that right hand of God that made the heavens and the earth? You know, the Bible says by His right hand, the power... The love, remember that, that hand, remember that little hand that held baby? Remember the, the song we said, Mary, did you know? Did you know that you're holding and kissing the very God that made you? By that hand, that right hand, he shows. He holds the stars. He holds the whole entire universe in his hand. I don't know how he could do that. I don't, but he does. He says he does. But he said, what thou saw verse 20. The seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels. The pastors, the leaders of the seven candlesticks, end uh, of the verse, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, Jesus starts out reminding this church, who's in charge of this church? See, what happens is we start going, when we, we follow the progression, remember in Ephesus, they left their first works. It started because you stopped loving God. But you're working for God. You're here at church. You, you, you do things. But do you love him? Do you love him? See, that's the question. Do you love Jesus? See, because if you do, it's going to show up on your feet. You know, I have this saying, I kind of say to my wife a lot of times, and uh, I can't hear you. I'm watching your feet. See, I'm not listening to what you're saying. You can tell me all you want, but I'm watching your feet because your feet talk louder than your mouth. See, it's what you're doing. It's what are you doing? What's your walk? So what are these people doing? What is Sardis doing that got the Lord's attention? Because remember, he wrote just these seven churches, but there's a lot more churches. We know for a fact there's the church of Laodicea where he's going to write them. But all these other churches, there were so many, we know them. The church of Colossae, not a letter to them, but they have one. The Philippians, all these churches of the Macedonia region, but he picks out these certain churches just to show us. So let's pick it up. See, his concern, Jesus is always concerned about our churches. And it's the truth. You know something? He always knows. God knows. He always does. It's us that forget. It's us that don't remember. He knows his work. But you know the problem? Watch this. Here is the problem with this church. Thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. Who gave him that name? You know, the Bible says, Let another lips praise thee and not thine own. Don't get up. Who gave them this name? They did. You know, we like to tout our own horn. We like to blow our horn so loud, make everyone think that we're so wonderful. And when you read these, you know, like I get the flyers in the mail of these churches, why I should come to their church, why I should come to the last one I got. I would not go to their church for anything. I mean, Santa Claus on a motorcycle, and I'm going to go to see you. No, because see, a lot of these churches around here, even this neighborhood, and I don't know if any of you have actually experienced or gone to a church lately. I've gone to one that's been dead. I did. I went to one right down on the corner of Alamo and something. Well, guess what? They preached the Word, and they were doing things, but you know what? I didn't get fed. I didn't. Pastor's walking around with his headset on, lots of things, and he's preaching out of his cell phone. So he's using his phone to run the whole thing. The whole time he's like this on his phone, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But the message, that church was dead. I mean, they're claiming, they're praising the Lord. They got a list of things that they do. But there was no love in that church. You know, I walked in and out of that church. Not one person said a word to me the whole time I was there. Nobody, not even a word. That's okay. That happens. But the point is, so many churches are saying they're alive, but they're dead. They have nothing. They have nothing. That's why the Lord comes along, and he gives us what we're supposed to do. Challenges. Verse 3. Verse 3. Remember. What can you remember? You know, we were just talking about that yesterday. We had a men's thing, and they were asking me something about a, a, a verse that affects my life personally. And for me, it's in 2 Peter, two times. Peter said, I stir up your mind to remember, though ye once knew these things. Though ye knew this, I want you to remember. I need you to remember. We forget, that's our problem. We forget our salvation. We forget what we were saved from. We forget the price that Jesus Christ actually paid. Those holes in his hand, still there? The ones that said, I love you, that's how much. Let see this far, a cubit and a cubit. That's how much God loves us. Two cubits. No, he loved us so much that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave and he gave. But what's our problem? God gives to us and we forget. See, remember, he's, Jesus gave the parable of the talents. And he gave to every man according to his ability. Women too. Some he gives more. Some he gives less. But he gives everybody. Everyone that cometh into this world. He gives you something. And what are you doing with it? What did you do with your talent? Did you make five more? Did you make ten more? Or did you just take what God gave you, bury it in the dirt, go about your business, live your life happily ever after? When you get to the end of life, oh God, um, <clears throat> remember me? Oh yes, yes, you Remember you. You have your part appointed with the unbelievers, with the the the, the nation, with the, the fire quenches or not the gnashing of teeth, as Mark says. But he says that that they'll be part of unbelievers because a lot of people, what happens is they come to this church, they get to church, they get saved, they walk in the Lord, or not get saved, but they walk in the Lord, they walk parallel with us, and then they depart. Why? Because the Bible says the word never found room in their heart to grow. And that's what you have to ask your own self. You know, the Bible does make that question for you at home, know ye not your own selves if you're in Christ. See, I could look at you and say, oh, you look good to me. Oh, you look good. Oh, you look good. Oh, you look, yeah. Well, I don't know about you. But see, we can't do that because the Bible says we rise and fall to another man's servant. That's not for my place to judge you on your salvation, but I will judge your fruit. What's growing on your branches? See, Jesus said, you know, him. I'll judge you by your words. He said, out of the heart, the mouth to speak. So when I listen to you speak and when I watch your life for a while, well, guess what? I don't see or hear anything. Now, as Paul says in Galatians, oh, full of Galatians, I stand in doubt of you. Now, I can't see no one in this room. I could personally stand in doubt of, but what about your own self? See, we take the Lord's Supper and the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves in the faith. Where are you? Are you being watchful? See, are you being watchful? That's what we need to do. We we need to recognize in point two, this is a challenge that we have that we need to recognize. We need to remember. We have to think. See, the word watchful, it's just that God tells us over and over and over again, many times through the scriptures, and I'm, we're going to start taking a little tour just to show you what it, what it means to be watchful. See, because we had to watch. You know, what was the, the remember in the Old Testament, you had the watchmen. They put watchmen on the gates. They'd light fires if they see a signal and warn them. And what would happen if the watchmen went to sleep? Cost him his life, would it not? Turn to Ephesians five, if you will. Ephesians chapter five, and we'll see. Just start using a few of these words. What we're supposed to watch for? I mean, always I supposed to watch out, right? That's just figure of speech. But in, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter five. Paul's telling us wherefore 5:14 wherefore he saith awake thou that sleepest we're on point 2a awake thou that sleepest awake thou that sleepest what happened? and arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but is wise, redeeming the time. See, these are, the list. these are things that we have to do. See, most people want to sit in Christian life, and I see this, and especially nowadays because people don't read the Word. People do not read their Bibles. And if the Word doesn't get in you, it's sure not going to come out of you. See, what are you watching? What are you waiting for? Turn over to First Thessalonians. Let's watch another use of this word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul's telling us, again, what we need to watch for, what we need to be awake for, what do we need to be alert? You ever hear that one? Be alert. We need more alerts. But in 1 Thessalonians, Paul's telling us in chapter 5, pick it up at verse 5, ye are all children of the light. And children of the day, we are neither the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Sleep as do others. You know, most everyone around you is sleeping. Most everybody around, and I don't mean actually physically sleeping. See, know ye not. Awake. Awake. We have to be awake. We've got to be watchful. We've got to pay attention. You know, Peter tells us. Would be watchful why? Because the devil wants to get us. Well, we watch for the devil. We watch for the line. No, you just be on your line. See, how does the devil come? Does the devil come over to you in false blood? You know, telling you he's going to hit you with a lightning bolt? No, he comes in a nice suit with a nice tie. Tells you what you want to hear. Keep a teacher on yourself. But see, we need to watch. We need to know. But you know what? We also. We watch. Sometimes we do watch. Sometimes we do fall asleep. Sometimes we do fail. What do you do? What do you do when you finally realize that you've been asleep? Say, how do you know I was sleeping? Well, maybe you was just dreaming. But you know what? It's not the... It's the sleep that we just let things go by. We just don't do anything. We just don't do nothing. We don't read our Bible. We don't pray. Oh, we'll get up and come to church from time to time when it's convenient. But the Lord is telling us in verse 2 be watchful. And now look at the next one. What else are we supposed to do? Strengthen. Strength. And I like to point B, you'll see that we strengthen the things that remain. You know, because things are falling away, they're getting chipped away. It's almost like, you know, ice is melting or the sand is blowing it away. Just little by little by little, it's just gone. You're going away. You just, what's happening? You know, I don't know if you, you ever have atrophy. any of you ever been hurt long enough. you like a body part. You break your leg and, you know, you, you don't use it for how many months. Well, you know, I think it's a lot smaller than the other one, right? Because they didn't strengthen it. I've learned that. Well, you got that one body part. You got to do something. And that's what the word "strengthen." if you look, you know, it's, it's the actual word steroid. And what do we do with steroids? We have all kinds of steroids nowadays. I mean, you got steroids. I'll bulk you up. Right, but they got most steroids for healing you, for body aches, muscles. They're giving lots of steroids. What to make you strong, to strengthen you? It's an external something you do to get stronger. It's a little um, you know, vitamin B shot. But you know what? Let's look at some of these. Turn to Luke twenty-two. Luke twenty-two, and we're going to see some of what we need to strengthen. In Luke 22, verse 32, Well, will pick it up at 31. This You know this story. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, remember Simon's all boasting, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever. But Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you. But does Satan want you? Are you such a problem? Are you so a thorn in the devil's side? Does the devil want to get you because he just, you keep reminding him that Jesus is there? But I have desired that he may sift you as wheat. Oh, he'll run you through the ringer. But verse 32, but I have prayed for thee. Wow. God is praying for you. That thy faith fail not. And when, here's the word, when thou art converted, strengthen. The brother, that's the same word, strengthen. You know something I found? Is, I how do I put it? The more you try to do things for yourself, uh, Jesus put it this way, to him that half, even that would he seem to have shall be taken from him. You have it, but God takes it. He removes it from you. Why? Because you're not using it. You're not using it. You, and it. We see Peter, he's supposed to strengthen his brethren, those about you. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. The Bible says we're come together, we're two or more gathered, and we get the fellowship. We get the strength by other believers. We get the strength by talking to each other. We get the strength by sharpening the word, talk, talking, witnessing, sometimes just sitting down talking about nothing, but it's still talking. You know, the Bible said, woe to him that is alone for when he falls, there's no one to help you. And that's the problem. And that's kind of my problem in my life. We're all alone. We're all that fish out of the fire. with the coal out of the fire. And we don't strengthen. We don't Put ourselves because even with coals, what happens? when You put all one coal by itself, you know, you barely burn yourself. But what happens? If you put twenty of them together, you melt steel. See the, the, the cohesive power of togetherness is multiplied, and that's what the Lord wants us to see. We need to strengthen those things that remain. First Thessalonians. We'll go to the Bible tour today. Here we're in point B. First Thessalonians. Paul again. The Telling us what we need to do. And we need to strengthen. See, this, and you know, you know, Bible says body exercise profited a little, but 1 Thessalonians, body exercise profited a little. You know, we should exercise. But how do we, the Bible says, exercise our faith? 1 Thessalonians 3, I'm sorry, I'm in trouble getting to my pages. This is a message, he's telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 2. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer. This is somebody that works. Somebody knows how to work. In the gospel. See, the work is in the word of the Lord. To establish you. There's a word to establish you. Strong, build you up, set you down. Uh, Why? Because we don't strengthen our own selves. See? We establish you, comfort you and concerning your faith that no man should be moved. Turn to 2 Timothy 3. And we see again the same principle of Paul wanting us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And he's talking about being becoming hold, on, am I got the right one? One that ruleth the north care for the house. Now nah, I'm on the wrong part, but let's keep. Um, I just can't emphasize enough strength. Again, I can say right now, chop down give me 20. How many of you can do 20 push-ups? Anybody? Okay, remember Abraham? I, I, there's 15. You have 15. Okay, <laughs> there are five. <laughs> Let's see. Can you give me push-ups? But can you memorize one verse of scripture? I'll give you one. Jesus wept. There. Tough scripture to memorize. Can you memorize it? Can you remember, can you hide the word in the heart? Because how are you going to get strong? Taste and see that the Lord is good. We're supposed to eat. We're supposed to feed. We're supposed to taste. We're supposed to remember. Thou has received and heard. Back to Revelation 3. Therefore, verse 3, therefore, remember, therefore, how thou has received and heard. Do you remember? Do you remember the day you got saved? Do you? You should remember that day. It should be clarity in your head. Bam! Now again, not always. I understand some kids. You, you, you've been saved so long, but the problem is: Are you saved? Are you at home? Are you? Do you know? If you were to die today, right now, are you going to heaven? Are you? See, if you had to think for a second, we'll, well see. Why is your mind casting doubts on you? Let's continue. We need to remember, we need to re- recommit ourselves, be loyal, faithful to God. We need to hold fast. And that's just that. You ever see that, that thing of that cat hanging on to the bar, trying to hang on to life? That cat hanging on? Well, you can know, hold, hold, hold. And having done all, Bible tells us. Remember, it says, having done all, stand. Well, <clears throat> I'm not moving. Now. Can you say that tomorrow morning when it's time to get up? you say you want to read your Bible? Sleep a little longer? Read the newspaper instead? You put something before. See, you didn't hold on. You let go. You let go. You know, I let go and I forgot to change our buttons here. Beautiful picture of Sardis. You know the only thing I look at the pictures like that, and I'm digressing. I'm sorry. I just tried to catch up. Everything's either uphill or downhill, like San Francisco. You had a lot of walking back in the day. You know, I I like cars. I really do. (laughs) I like cars. I just don't feel like walking like everywhere they had to go. And look, you had to walk to the top of the mountain, walk to the bottom of the mountain. Everywhere you had to walk, you had to walk, 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 walk. I'm going to skip this one. A little bit about Sardis. Picture of the throne. When Jesus was saying about the standing out the seventh spirit and the seventh God. But I'm going to catch this up. This picture I like. I just like that. If you looked at it, that's kind of symbolic. Everything the lion, the lamb. Again, is that what heaven looks like? I doubt it. For one, the throne is emerald, so it's green, not purple. So we'll see. But anyway, it's just a beautiful picture. I just like throwing up at it because it's symbolic. It's because what we're reading in these languages. when back at verse one, we see seven spirits, seven stars, seven in the right hand. He's walking in the midst of the candlesticks. It's just a beautiful picture because Christ, what it's telling is Christ is all in all. Christ is everything. He is our Lord. He is our light. He's our lamp. He's just, he's our God. Ah, this is where we got to get to. See, this this is where I'm at the speed up. and Cockadoodle-doo. Time to wake up. Wake up. Repent. You know, he tells us in verse 3 that if we don't, if we don't hold on, if we don't hold fast, if we don't repent. And you know, we we hear that word sometimes and even for me as a Christian, I hear the word repent so many times I basically forgot what it means. It just you know, you just kinda like, I'll oh, repent. But this is something he's told to every single church, except Smyrna. That we need to repent. Repent is change your mind. Just go like this. Turn around. Turn around. What are you doing right now? Do something different. So you say you don't read your Bible. Read it. Put an alarm on your phone. Turn the clock off. Find some reference for you. For me, it's just, for me, it's early in the morning. I set the alarm up earlier. And I generally, there's times when I really feel like I need to read. I'll change my phone. I set the alarm a half hour earlier, which is usually five, something in the morning. I'll get up and just read. Why? That's what Jesus did. You say he did, yeah. Well, he didn't read, but he kept getting up early in the morning. Early in the morning, he'd go out and pray. Early in the morning, out to say. Early in the morning, he arose. You know, that's a good thing for us to do. That's a good thing for us to do. Why? Because then we can hold on to his word. We can repent. You know, when he says repent, again. Job said he poured himself, remember the whole book of Job. The whole book. When you finally get to the end of Job, as we see, and all the story with all the dialogue of Eliphaz, and God came back and said, Job, where were you when I made the dinosaur? Where were you with the fire? Where were you when the angels? Job, where were you? Job said, I have a whore myself and I repent. In dust and ashes. See, repenting is a breaking of your heart. It's a changing of your will. It's a changing of your mind. It's the bending of it that you bend it over this way. You know, Sometimes you ever remember cars with no power steering? You ever remember the little three on the tree? You can't even turn those wheels unless you're moving a little bit. You're moving, you can turn it. But without that, it was hard. You couldn't repent unless you're moving. Well, get in the Word. Get into the church. Get back into it. Come back. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye labor and heavy laden. See, sometimes we, we work the wrong work. What is the works of God? What is the work of God? Anybody ever answer that question? We all want to be saved by works most of the time, but we're not justified by works. Do not know what, Do you know what the works of God is? Turn to John 6.29. It is so simple sometimes. Oh, we think it's, you know, as complicated as we want to make it. Oh, we can work to our nub our little fingers to the bone. But God tells us what the works of God is always. The Bible always interpret the Bible. John 6.29. These people came to Jesus, wanted to know. Verse, well, verse 28. Then said they, who's the they? Mm. Unbeliever, the world. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Hey, another good deed for us. Jesus answered and said unto them, John 6.29. This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Hey, you want to go back and do the first works? See, there's the first works right there. Believe. You say, I do. I I trusted the Lord. Really? Then what are you doing? What are you doing? See, believe on the Lord. That's what it means. When you do the works of God, when you trust, when you repent, when you realize... Last point, when you realize that he said he is going to come as a thief in the night. You know, the problem about thieves, same thing. You don't know when they're coming. You know, that's, remember Jesus, he gives uh, numerous parables about when thieves thief's coming. Now, let's take a look at it. Look at. Uh, let's go to, um, let's try Luke. Luke 12. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells us a little bit of the story. As soon as I get there myself. That's not a problem. Too many pages in the Bible. No. Only when I'm looking for one. But in Luke 20, Luke 12, Jesus, I said, it's taking me forever to get there. I'm sorry. Luke 12, verse 46. Jesus Jesus is telling the story. And this is, he says but in verse 45 but if that servant say in his heart my lord delays his coming you guys thinking about Jesus coming Luke 12 verse 45 my lord delays his coming and shall begin to beat the maidservants and the men servants and to eat and drink and be drunken you know what you forget about the bible you forget about the christian life see Nobody plans to be that way. No one plans to be backslidden. But you do if you take your eyes off and start watching. Because it says, but and if that servant say in his heart. See, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Oh, the Lord's not coming today. I, I'll Get around to it tomorrow. But verse 46, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him. Boy, right when you forget all about it, bam. And at that hour, when he is not aware. See, again, you don't know he's coming. You're not even aware. You're not even thinking about the Lord anymore. And he will cut him asunder and will point him his portion with the who? Hold it. Didn't it say it was the Lord's servant? The Lord of that servant? Well, we all serve the Lord. But see, this one, this is unbelievers. And that servant that loses Nord's Lord's will. So he beat him in the str- See, you know what happens? Again, it's a fine line because... You're not doing these things. You're not doing the works of God. You're not watching. Back to Revelation. You're not repenting. You don't even realize you're asleep. Maybe I'll wake you up. You don't even realize these things. But you know what? The Lord will just come just like that. they will take it away from you. Right when you don't think it. You least expect it. The last thing you expected was God to say... Time for you to come home. Time to die. And if you ever—I don't know how many of you in your life experienced death. I mean, I've mentioned a few times that I've come very close to death. I mean, right up to—I think the my last word out of my mouth is, "Lord, here I come." I mean, I'm going to be dead. I got hit by a truck. I thought I'm dying, just plain up. I'm—this is it. You know, many other some other things in life that I just where well, almost fell and just things that almost happened by you know just a minuscule of breath yet, I didn't know. I was reading just the paper, and it's so sad. I do this, other so when I read the paper, a poor lady driving down, I guess Peabody, for whatever reason, spun out, said she wasn't even going fast, said she wasn't even speeding, but hit water and hit a pole and died. 19. I don't know if you read that. She just stepped into eternity, just like you're just driving your car, pulling you're dead. That's how fast life changes on a dime. That's why today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Why? We harden our hearts. We don't listen. We need the ears. We have to get up. We have to rise and depart. We have to come. Jesus said, Follow me. But we sit. Follow what? See? That's why he's telling us here. That's what this church message to this church is about. Therefore, thou shalt not watch. See, they're not watching. They don't care. You don't think. It's not sensitive to you. Remember, this church said they were alive. This was a church that's got programs at the wazoo. They're telling, hey, they got celebrations. You can come and praise the Father at the Father's house. You know, we're talking to somebody. And I, I don't want to put down any church ever. Because if they're preaching the gospel, as Paul said, some preach Christ for vain glory. Uh, well, forget them. They're a mess. But nevertheless, Christ is preached. If somebody, if one person gets saved there, then that mess and shenanigans is probably worth it. But see, they come as they want to come. They come clothed in what they want to wear. It's called will worship. You come to God on your terms. Well, what are you watching for? You're not watching nothing because you're watching yourself. See, in verse 3, but verse 4, I like that. Verse 4. Thou has a few names, even in Sardis. You know, the Bible says not many are called. Not many. Remember in, um Elijah, Elijah, he was, just had that big old battle. Killed 400 prophets, running for his life, sitting by a cave, crying. Oh, God, there's no one left but me. How, God, how are you going to run this? country without me. God said, be quiet. I have 7,000. There's a few. The population was millions. God only come up with 7,000 men out of population of millions. That's why we see it today. It's not many. It's the few. It's not the might. It's the weakness. My strength is made perfect in me (laughs) because I am weak. But see, God notices you know what I like that? That has a few names. Got a few names. There's a few of you. There's a few. Not a lot, but a few. But you know what? That few is one of me. Is that few one of you? See, these ones, here are a few. See, Jesus knows what you're doing. Remember, he says he knows your works. And now in the midst of a crowd, he says, this, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. And they shall walk with me in light, for they are worthy. Wow. Think about that. Could the God that made heaven and earth, could the God that has that nail print in his hand, can the God that reaches out to you, can he look at you and say you're worthy? Are you? How do you feel? How do you feel, Christian? Do you feel worthy of walking with God today? Is today the day you're just going to walk hand in hand? Huh? I know I walk hand in hand, but it seems like I'm always walking through the fire or the flood. You know, remembering he says in Isaiah, when i passes pass through the fire, when i walk, he upholds my hand. It's the psalmist says, he holds my hand that I don't fall headlong. Why, wow, walking with Jesus is a good thing. It sure is. See, but we see that we got consequences, we got comfort. We got consequences. Verse 5. And they shall be clothed. Verse 5. And he that overcometh. You know what it takes to overcome? You remember that? Who is the one that overcometh? He that overcometh the world. John tells us we believe in Jesus Christ. When you believe in the Christ, you're an overcomer. Now, how do you continue to be an overcomer? You have to die. You've got to die. Are you worthy? He that overcometh, verse 5, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Wow. Can you think about that? God's going to blot your existence. He said that about Judas. Remember he said about Judas? What a testimony. It had been better for this man that he had never been born. Is that what God say about you? Why would it have been better for him not to be born? Because we know the terrors of the Lord. We know that hell awaits. We know eternity without Christ. Now, here he, in this life, remember, he says he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He does blessings and stuff in his life. But you know the worst part about hell and this one, not walking worthy, having your name blotted out? Remember the story of the rich man? There was a certain rich man. And I like that. You know, the Bible says, God knoweth the wicked are far off. God knows the wicked fall out, but He called the righteous by name. God knoweth our name. He's promised He's going to give us some new names as we see. But remember that rich man. Remember that Lazarus. Lazarus suffered, and everything went wrong for Lazarus. Lazarus just couldn't didn't have a good. Dogs licking him, begging for a crumb. I mean, what a tough life. But that rich man, Bible says, he fared something every day. Every day was a good day for him, till the day he died. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes, and he looked up, and he wanted to drink of water. Boy, all of a sudden, he wanted to pray real quick. Couldn't have a time for prayer in his whole entire life until he hit hell. And then he prayed. There was no answer. No answer was forthcoming. But he did get an answer. In God's mercy, And you know what it was? Son, remember, in your lifetime, you received the good things. Son, Remember. What does God tell us back here in verse 3? Remember. See, we both need to remember. See, but fortunately for this guy, his memory was a little too late. Mm -hmm. Then he starts praying again. Oh, now he's concerned about the salvation of others. Now he's concerned, but it's too late. He's never going to walk worthy. He's never going to walk with God. He's never going to be clothed in garment. And his name did get blotted up. Imagine Jesus with an eraser. (laughs) There goes pastor. Just erase your name right out the book of life. Like you never existed. <clears throat> wow. I mean, wow. Think about it. God just erased your existence. But let's go on. He that overcometh, verse 5, shall be clothed in white women. You know, God only got one color, and that's white. White is always pure. White is clean. White is holy. But let's pick it back up where I'm at. Verse 5. He blots our name. Let's look at some of the book of life. Look at Revelation 13. Turn 13.8. You know, it makes a few mentions of this book. This one, again, associating with the difference between believers and unbelievers in Revelation 13.8. And all that dwell upon the earth. See, right there we got it. This it, it, the earth. These are people that love the earth. This, this is their life. You know, the Bible says that Eyes of man extended to the ends of the earth, all they see is on this plane. They can't see a spiritual plane. All they're to worship of him, whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. You know, this book has been written around a long time, but you know, this is not the only book God got. God has a couple of books. You know, one, one, one good book I like that God has. This one God's writing. And you know what? God just wrote something in there today. God's his pen. He's probably still writing right now as we're talking. Turn to Malachi three sixteen. you know, I, I love. You know how many good three sixteens in the Bible? Know, you, ever, you ever study that, Pastor? See how many good three sixteens? Read about Timothy three sixteen? All Scripture is given by inspiration to God. For God, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. There's a couple other ones off the top of my head, but turn to Malachi. Just go to Matthew and hang a left, which is what I'm literally trying to do myself. But Malachi three sixteen, God's, God's got a book. He's writing a book. I mean, P, He's erasing people's names. Well, I just can't. I'm having a bad day with my Bible. But in, in Malachi three sixteen, look at this. Let's pick it up at verse fifteen. I would like to get it. Look at put it. Up, let's back it up to verse thirteen. Here's all these people that are forgetting. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, What have we spoken so much against you? When do we talk about you, God? Huh? What do you mean to start? What are you talking about, God? Verse 14. Ye have said. Did you ever say this in your heart? You're wasting your time? Huh? Mm-hmm. It is vain to serve God. Huh? You ever say that? I'm tired. I don't want to go to church today. It's a waste of my time. What prophet is that we should keep his order? What prophet is that we should read his Bible? And we have walked mournfully for the Lord. Most at least they, they're walking. See, they're, they want credit for what they're doing. Verse 15, and now you call the proud happy. Oh, boy, you got the things all wrong, huh? Your perspective. See what happens when you get out of the church. Woe to him to call sweet, bitter, and bittersweet. Because when you're outside of the Lord, when you're not walking with the Lord, you see things backwards. Yea, they work wickedness or set up. Oh, yeah, let's have a good time. Sin is fun. And they tempt God or even deliver. But verse 16, this is those few. Remember? He's in Sardis, all this is going wrong, but you got a few. Verse 16, and then they that feared the Lord, do you fear God? Now, you know, most most people's perception of fear is, I'm going to squeeze you. No, no, no. You ever fear your father? You ever fear letting them down? You ever fear that you fail them? You ever fear that they might do something you think they might not love you? See, that's the fear. The fear is the, it's the awe, it's the respect. It's not the fear he's going to crush you, kill you. That's a dictator, not our God. He gave his life. Then they that feared often spake one to another, and the Lord hearkened. You know God's listening to what you're saying? He knows your works, but he knows what you're saying. And they heard it, and the book of remembrance was written before him, and them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. Remember Jesus keeps saying, I know your works. Sure, he's writing them down. He's keeping score. He's got a little scorecard in heaven. Is, but is it for you getting in heaven? Of course not. Wood, hay, stubble. What are you sending up ahead? See, our life, this world in our home, the Bible says of Abraham, and we're closed soon Abraham, he he saw the city whose builder and maker was God. He's walking through this world, he's lived with it, and Abraham, Abraham blew it. I mean, Abraham, boy, he's got some problems. But the Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. God promised him everything. All the land, all the promises of God are without repentance. But see, we see these people can going to have their name blotted out of the book of life. Back to Revelation. Pick it up here. <clears throat> Verse 6, He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, Jesus wants us to listen, to pay attention, and to remember. We have to keep going back. Remember, we, we keep hearing it over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because sometimes if God said it once, we still wouldn't hear it. Sometimes God's got to say it twice. Sometimes God's got to say it three times for us to get his attention. And he's telling this to church of Sardis. He's trying to remind these churches that we saw he came down there. He's trying to tell them where they're wrong, where they're standing. But he's also got to tell you what you're doing wrong. You know, the Bible, Jesus said, whom I love, I reprove. You know, God, is, God isn't talking to the unbelievers. He ain't got time for them. He says, what are you to do to take you by word in your mouth? Don't even do that. But God loves you so much, loves me so much, that if we overcome, if we serve him, if we watch him, he's going to put our name in the book of life. And that's a great place to be. I mean, I, I just like that. But to think, man, to think about people getting their names erased. That is, that is hard to comprehend. I mean, again, I quote back to Judas, and I started reading a little bit of secular what happened to Judas. It probably really was good that he wasn't born, because we read the story, but Jude, what the secular stories tell about Judas, he blew up like a thing and swollen. He was alive for days, blind. I mean, he just literally rotted and blew up, because when you see his death, a horrible death. But then to think how much more sore punishment suppose you under underfoot the Son of Blood not counting it a precious thing. That's what happened to Judas. And we can't be one. We have to watch. Because you see, Judas walked with the Lord. He said, You know when the 70 went out doing miracles? Was Judas was one of them. Yep. And they came back rejoicing. Hey! Judas was one of them. Yeah. How did these people in Sardis? What happened to all the other ones? There's only a few walking. What happened to the rest? They never overcome. They never made it. This church is a dead church. It's about as dead as it can possibly be. And I came from one. And you know, and I would say that same thing. I use that analogy because most of the people there, they didn't do anything. And most of my, the deacons, I didn't even think they were saved. They had no testimony. No, the word of God never came out of their mouth. It was a dead church. And there was a couple of us. were doing so much. We're carrying so much load in this church. It was dead, and I mean, I literally, it came from the church of Sardis. But there was a few, there were a few, and there was a few, and that's the thing. There's a few of us here. And I ask you today, Christian, where are you at in your spiritual life? Where are you today? Are you walking by the Savior's side? Huh? Are you walking? Are you sitting? Are you asleep? You don't even know what to watch for. You know, the Bible says you hypocrite. You look at the world, oh, you know the politics, oh, you know this going to happen, oh, the sky's red, it's going to rain. You hypocrite. You don't even know your Bible, you don't even know that Jesus Christ is going to call you today. Thou fool, this night is thy soul going to be required of you. If you don't know the Lord, in all your years, if you haven't, what are you wearing? What's your garment? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are they washed in the blood of the Lamb? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you and we thank you, Father, for giving us this day. And Lord, I just ask for your grace and your wisdom as a servant.